0: and welcome to you, Philosopher. Today, I'm very excited to get to talk with you today because we're gonna be talking about Star Wars. The new Star Wars film, Rogue One, is out, and often people might ask, well, what is there really to talk about of philosophical interest in Star Wars? Often, after all, it's only really just kind of this stereotypical good versus evil story. And, well, firstly, there is actually a great deal to talk about. And there's a few things that I think are worth discussing, um, though we're really only going to focus on one today. But the really kind of fantastic news is, is that for me as a philosopher, one of the great kind of awful things about philosophy is the fact that you start realizing that there's far fewer answers than there are questions and that things aren't quite as clear cut as they would seem. And that is a constant sort of frustration, source of frustration, given the fact that myself as a philosopher, and I think many other philosophers go into philosophy because they are hoping to find answers. And there's something about the idea of kind of a hard and and, and clear truth that really appeals to them. And so for many of us, I so for myself, I was raised deeply religious. And so the idea of there being a clear kind of good versus evil is really nice. And... However, as I've tried to kind of point out in this series, there's there's usually two sides to every coin. And so as you engage in philosophy, you start realizing, oh, with the multiplicity of perspectives, things aren't as clear-cut as they may seem. And that which really seems good may not be that good. And that which really seems evil may not be that evil, et cetera, et cetera. But with Star Wars, you get this really kind of clear-cut good versus evil. And that leaves it open to kind of Criticism from from philosophers about the fact that it doesn't really have depth however, if there were say Hypothetically a group of people who started aligning themselves with that which was in essence kind of obviously uh, And and categorically evil in Star Wars then all of a sudden you're kind of as a philosopher given this gift Of like, oh, we so rarely have good versus evil But here's a group of people who have basically just said yeah, no Darth Vader not so sure why you're so hard on the guy. And so I've been kind of given a, a, a Christmas gift this season, which has been, and, and I don't want to hyperbolize too much, but there are, there is a group that seems to be kind of aligning itself a bit with um, the evil empire in Star Wars. And, and the story basically starts like this. Um, the, the writers, right? The, so the, the, the people who helped create Star Wars uh, Rogue One, uh, did post something that really upset a fair number of people on Twitter, which was um, Chris White's tweeted, please note that the Empire is a white supremacist human organization. Um, and, and to me, that that statement seems relatively, well, one, innocuous, but also obvious. Uh, now, Gary Witta, another writer um, of uh, Star Wars Rogue one then responded to that uh, and and that the Empire is also opposed by a multicultural group led by brave women so this led to a lot of very 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 angry people in the alt-right movement which uh, I've discussed before and I've tried, you know I've tried to present the fact that you know uh, well the Alt-right movement is coming from a perspective that maybe, at least at its core, doesn't seem completely and utterly insane. Which is the idea that all groups, and this includes uh, whites, uh, have have a, have a right to be heard, and um, that it is in fact possible for for whites to experience racism and mistreatment as well because because they're white. And, and I do think it's really important that when we're looking at marginalized populations and populations who are oppressed, we can't ignore the fact that um, this can even happen to the oppressors in some sense. And it is, in fact, possible that because of the mistreatment of one group, that there is backlash against, uh, against the group that engaged in the mistreatment in the first place. Or even you might be able to go as far to say that it is possible that we can focus so much on helping kind of... Develop and, um, and 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 situate rights for one group that we ignore the rights of, a, of another, and so it seems at least maybe that's kind of some of the inherent perspective of the alt right movement. But on the other hand, of course, um, they they do hit points where you go, oh wow, that's that that's that's um, that's really clearly racist, or. Um, it gets pretty wonky when they start saying things like, "Well, this country is made for white people, and and it and it is a country for white people." And and oddly enough, uh, you also hear them sometimes say that it's a country for men, um, which is uh, a little bit confusing because that isn't really. Um, a racial issue at all. But anyways, long story short, you know, you try you, you try to be understanding and recognize in philosophy multiple perspectives. But now with this Star Wars thing, the, the fact that these two writers said that led to this alt-right backlash and to and to the idea of hashtag dump Star Wars because they got very mad because they decided that those statements by those writers was clearly in support of Hillary Clinton. And and I can see how the the reply that would have uh, may might be understood in that way, um, opposed by a multicultural group led by a brave woman. But the problem is, is um, the statement is actually uh, a multicultural group led by brave women. And so, I think you have to stretch just a little bit to go, oh well, clearly they mean Hillary Clinton when they say brave women, plural. Uh, <laughs> the first statement. Please note that the empire is a white supremacist human organization. Uh, I, I I don't really see how that could possibly be associated with um, being anti uh, Donald Trump at all. Which is basically what it's come down to is, is that people have been saying that um, Star Wars is actually and this this film specifically uh, is is anti uh, Donald Trump and that the the film creators have specifically gone out of their way to do things like reshoot it to be kind of more anti-Donald Trump. And, well obviously if that was actually happening that would be distinctly problematic, but what's so strange about it is is to realize that all of a sudden, uh, Mr. Trump has been placed in the weird position and, and I, I have no idea if he said anything about it at all. I don't think he has, but been re- be, being placed in the weird position of people suggesting that a film that's clearly against fascist regimes is itself a film that's also against him. <laughs> and that's just, I mean, if I was Mr. Trump, I would be utterly horrified because Star Wars, um, given that it's clear... Um, kind of good versus evil trope, really associated evil with the idea of fascism and anti-democracy. And so you have a rebellion that is clearly grounded in uh, an old democratic notion that ends up collapsing because of corruption, but that democracy is trying to come back and has this resurgence in these plucky rebels who are fighting the, these dictatorial, authoritarian, patrolling, murderous, genocidal um, overlords. And Lucas specifically chose uh, imagery and titles, things like stormtroopers, uh, to try and, and, and specifically associate with, uh, to specifically associate with Nazism. And so you, it's really, 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 really awkward to say that Star Wars is against Donald Trump when what it's—if we're going to politicize Star Wars, what it's clearly against is fascism and being an evil overlord, and so um, I feel like if I was Mr. Trump, I would immediately kind of come out and say, huge fan of Star Wars, really, really not a fan of the Empire, bad people, uh, not a fan, and so we'll, we'll see how that goes, but the the nice thing is, is that you go, oh, wow, so basically the alt-right group, I guess, has in this sense kind of outed itself, and aligned itself, it seems, clearly with the Empire in some sense. And as as much as that would be lovely in, insofar as like, oh, okay, well, you so you're aligning yourself with Vader, you're aligning yourself with the evil lords of the Sith, so you, you admit you're evil. Um, I don't think they're quite doing that. I mean, there's been a little bit around Twitter to suggest that there is some level of um, that kind of Talk, but I, I don't know how seriously I would necessarily take it. What has happened, however, um, and is of kind of great philosophical interest is, is that the reason why some people are getting really upset is because part of their evidence that Star Wars is bad, and I don't think that this can be as clearly associated with the connection that they're making of it being kind of anti Donald Trump, is. Um, that the films, particularly in the new films, are anti-white. And that's that's interesting. Um, I mean, you can see that in the new films, there's much more kind of multiculturalism. Um, there, there are heroes who are women, white women, but women, um, who are the main protagonists. Um, so the... The problem becomes: How is that anti-white? And the the, the 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 kind of obvious tension there is is if what we're saying is is that every time you have a hero who is a woman or a hero who is not white, we are being anti-white. Then basically we would have to concede that every time there was a film in which the hero uh, was white and a man, it was anti black and anti-women. And that seems to be exactly what people on the alt-right are are saying they don't want to be accused of. Like, that's not fair. Just because there's been many, 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 many heroes who are white in our film industry doesn't mean that it's anti-people of color. And so, I mean, it would seem like at the very least we'd have to be consistent enough to apply the same logic in both cases, right? So um, if having white heroes doesn't mean you're anti-black Well, then having black heroes or female heroes doesn't mean you're anti-white or anti-women. And it doesn't seem like we're willing to be quite that consistent. And I guess the argument has to be because, well, because there were all of these white male heroes in the past in Star Wars, the fact that now we have um, a a black hero or female protagonist, well, that must mean that they are somehow trying to erase what was happening before, as opposed to... Uh, as, as we cast new people we get different amounts of, of diversity and especially because there's casting today which one would hope is different from casting in the past which is is more diverse and allows for the possibility that okay you know what this is a great idea for a hero and people went not have bought it in 1970 um, because the only heroes they really wanted in 1970 were white men but now today they can get it and we can pursue more and, and more stories just in general which um, as a literature person, to me, just appeals the idea that there's many different kinds of heroes and many different kinds of villains. But so some of the stuff that's happened kind of in the Twitterverse as a result have been things like people saying, Do you really want to root for the SJW, social justice warriors, over the Empire? Hashtag dump Star Wars. Or uh, another reason to dump Star Wars, the villains suck. J.J. Abrams equates the villains to white supremacists, therefore he doesn't like or respect them. No character development. A good director will tell you that you gotta like your villain a little bit to make them an interesting character, which makes one wonder, wait, are you, are you saying that we're associating villains with white supremacists and then thusly we need to make the villains more likable because they're like white supremacists? I'm, I'm not even entirely sure what to do with that. Or um, my personal favorite, I applaud Disney for making Rogue One a peon to hashtag feminism. It makes it much more realistic. Feminist icon goes out to take out the Death Star and it fails. Rebel Alliance then sends men to do the job and succeed. And you go, Wow. That's so completely inaccurate to, to what happens in the film that clearly you're not paying attention, right? Um, because just just to be a, a real nerd for a second, uh, the Rebel Alliance in, in Rogue, Rogue One, the characters aren't trying to uh, to take out the Death Star, they're trying to, to gain the plans so that people can take out the Death Star. Um, to avoid too many spoilers, I'll, I'll avoid getting into whether or not they succeed in the film. But we can be reasonably confident that success does occur as a result of the fact that um, in Star Wars Episode Four they have the plans. And thusly, if it is the characters in Rogue One that um, are going on that per- particular mission, then they do succeed. And So yes, actually uh, a group of women uh, a group led by a w- woman does go out and succeed and um, Good for them. <laughs> well done. So anyways uh, It's kind of hit a uh, it's kind of a weird vibe that I that I assume will die off pretty quickly because the film has done so remarkably well That it seems kind of comic to suggest that people should dump Star Wars or that the movement has been successful in that regard but Either which way, it does kind of lend one to to wonder, okay, well, let's kind of like put aside the possibility that people are associating themselves with the evil empire, which would be nice, because then you would actually know who the villains are. And let's even put aside the issue of people thinking that Star Wars is anti-white or anti-male because of the fact that it includes other kinds of heroes, too. Um, well, let's look at the possibility that, that, in fact, there actually is some association between the United States and the evil empire. And that's where the real fun is, because in some ways that actually isn't entirely insane. Um, if you look at, there's a couple of perspectives that you can look at it from, one of which is is that the United States, we in the States, we like to still think of ourselves as the plucky rebels and I like to associate ourselves with the idea that we are the oppressed and we're kind of um, fighting against a world that's really against us. But if we're honest with ourselves, we are um, probably the most powerful nation uh, in the world, at the very least, definitely up there in the top three, and in terms of economic force and military force, and we're sprawling. I mean, we're all over the place in terms of where we have military bases and our reach, and and we can pretty much go into almost any country in the world as we want and and engage in. Um, um, a military in- endeavor if we decide it's worthwhile and I mean we can really kind of reach out and crush people without even touching them just kind of economically if we see fit and I like to believe that generally the United States doesn't use that kind of power for evil but there are certainly those who think that we have or that we've done so selfishly and there's certainly those that think that in order to stop us that they have to engage in roguish activities. Um, so all of that being said there is something to be said for that, the, given the power and might of the United States, we're not the rogues. Um, and we we are far closer to the empire, at least if only in terms of the amount of power that we have. The, the, the question then becomes, are we using it for good or ill? Um, and again, I'd like to think that we're largely using it for good. And I'd like to suggest that we can always do more good. That having that being said, it's not hard to see how there's other people in the world who might kind of look at us and be pretty intimidating. Uh, intimidated by that fact, um, or at the very, very least, to put it this way, uh, it was something like I think 26,000 pe- civilians were killed in Afghanistan um, over about uh, eight-ish years. That's a lot of civilians, right? Uh, carpet bombing Afghanistan um, in in response to terrorism here in the United States and terror attacks here in the United States resulted in many, many civilian deaths that maybe to some people felt somewhat like Alderaan, right? In terms of, okay, well, you want to do us this harm. We are going to go take out a lot of people over here. So that's a pretty dicey and controversial issue. That being said, um, given our kind of atomic power, unlike many other nations in the world, we do have the ability to basically point a button and blow stuff up. So, I don't know if we're really the plucky rebels anymore. Um, Hopefully, we can be the good guys, but we're probably not currently the ones fighting the overwhelming odds against us, against an imperial power like Britain, right? We had that day and it's gone but another interesting way to look at it if you look at some of the comments that have gone on it's like well another association with the Empire is that the Empire is in fact very 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 racist and I don't mean so much in terms of whether or not when you look at the Empire does do you know that it seems like they don't really do do much in terms of hiring black stormtroopers though apparently there are a few right uh, or employing women Really, what I mean is more so that they are very humanistic, whereas the Rebel Alliance has many, many different races. The the Empire is basically strictly human, and that fact leads itself to a nice analogy between um, the Empire and Nazi Germany, not not the United States, but Nazi Germany, and. You go, okay, so that's where the real interest is, is the realization that the empire is not just kind of authoritarian and uber-powerful, but it is, it is also um, uh, very isolated to one particular group that it empowers. And the only thing that I can really say about that is, is it's a good warning to the United States, right? It's a, Star Wars shouldn't be understood, I think, so much as a criticism of, of the U.S., if, if we were to kind of look down some of these lines of logic, but more like warnings to be careful about, well, the dangers of power and how easy it is to move from kind of a, a benevolent power to a dictatorial and authoritarian power, but also how easy it is to forget that um, to the marginalized and, and, and uh, to the minority that it's really easy to um, ignore them and leave them out of your governance. And so... To look at things like what the minority population here in the United States is, we're about 38-ish percent minorities, if you're not including women. Um, But Congress is something like 17 percent minority. So there's a pretty huge disparity um, in that that regard. Uh, Women are 15 percent of the population. They're only about 20 percent of Congress. and, and, and I'm trying to go strictly by percents because I think it's really easy to say, well, Nick, you're just, you know, you're just trying to forward a kind of agenda for minorities. I think when we look at Congress, unlike maybe looking at the president or some some other political issues, Congress is literally about representing the country. And you have, especially in the House of Representatives, you have a lot of Congress people. The whole idea is kind of it's supposed to be almost like a mini version of the population of the United States. And if it isn't representative of that population, well, it's strange to call call it something like the House of Representatives. So the numbers get pretty bad, though, if you look at something like the Senate, right, uh, where this uh, where in the Senate it doesn't have that direct correlation in terms of population, and so you can go well, maybe if it's a little bit off in terms of diversity, it's not as bad. However, it's pretty bad, right? So if uh, if the black population is Uh, something like 13-ish, 12-ish percent of the United States total population, well, it's only 2% of the Senate. So that's odd, right? Um, In fact, what really kind of blew my mind when I said, I should look these numbers up for today's conversation was the realization that basically when you're talking about blacks or when you're talking about, say, Hispanics, you can count not just the number of senators who are, black or Hispanic on one hand now uh, but you can count pretty much all of them in the history of the United States Senate on two hands or pretty close to it and so again I kind of then look back at Star Wars and I think well there's a bit of a warning to us then are we kind of we, we should be careful about kind of like tooling around in it you know lumbering in down I guess our, are metallic corridors, only one race uh, that happens to be in power. In other words, I guess when the alt-right movement is getting annoyed um, and seeing this correlation in terms of, of race, well, it's not really, I think, a, a Donald Trump thing, which he realizes there actually is a concern there. And the fact of the matter is, is the United States government is pretty heavily white and white male but it's representing a population um disproportionately to to that and that all of a sudden you have to you have to wonder well why is that happening and so that's the question i'm going to leave to you why does that happen? Is it an issue of racism? Is it just an issue of uh, the the black population isn't as interested in politics? Uh, Do women just not want to be senators? Um, Or is it something more insidious? Either which way, it should make for a fascinating conversation. So with that, I'd like uh, to say I hope you have a great week, and um, I'll talk with you later.